Blog Talk Radio. For more information, and it's Blog Talk Radio, and here we go. Blog Talk Radio. This is AppSats Radio, help for partners after sexual betrayal. We talk about it here. Betrayal trauma. We are APSAT certified clinical partner specialists and coaches who have been trained to help navigate you through this crisis. There is nothing we won't talk about. So I've got Amy on the line. Amy, welcome to the show. What's your question? Well, I have a question about what um, healthy sexuality looks like when Mm. a sex addict is in recovery. One of the things we know about research and sex addicts is that they don't necessarily want sex with their own wife. And so, to me, that says he's in really good recovery because he does want that with you. He has been two years sober. He has been in three facilities. And I suspect that's how he's wanting closeness with you. That's exactly right. We know that to be true, that sexuality in healing partners takes on a lot of different looks. There is not one look for sexuality, and the same goes for sex addicts. However, more often than not, when a sex addict is in good recovery, he wants his wife. He wants that closeness. He wants that intimacy. And so what does that mean? That means that she gets to decide What does she want? Some women don't ever want to have sex again. Some women need, they need the time to heal their brain before they can heal their sexual relationships. And that makes so much sense, doesn't it? It's hard to be close with somebody if you still don't trust them. Okay, we know that. As a result, we encourage couples, and certainly the partner, to pay attention to what feels comfortable and what feels safe. It's so important to do that. It's important to know that you have the right and the choice to pay attention to your body, your emotional needs, your sexual needs, and figure out it's going to keep you safe. Truly, that is what works best. Hi, I'm Carol Jurgensen. She's here for appsats.org. That's A-P-S-A-T-S dot org. The partner-sensitive training organization that trains coaches and clinicians all over the world how to be safe. And, you know, that means choice. I was working with a client who, she actually had worked with another coach, not one of ours, and she was shamed for being a victim and actually wasn't even allowed into another group. And I said, what? What do you mean being a victim? Because although I experienced this woman as passive, I didn't see her being a victim. 
uh, she didn't feel safe with her husband and had insisted that they live in separate homes. That's a woman who knows what she wants. And she did have a lot of questions, but who doesn't when you're going through this, right? So the truth of the matter is that I, I said to her, do you trust me? And she said, yes. And I said, do you believe that I would share with you my truth? And she kind of looked at me. And I said, my impression of you. And she said, yes. And I said, because I don't see you as a victim at all. I see you as a woman who is unclear and unsure as to whether she wants her husband back. Um, He didn't pass a polygraph. He is denying a lot of behaviors that she really thinks her gut says he participated in. And, and she said, you know, intuitively, I know what I know, that he's not giving me the evidence. And I said, because I follow that app-sats model, you know what? If you are a betrayed partner and you don't know what you need or want now, there is nothing wrong with you. That really means that you're not ready. And listen to that. Because the last thing you want to do is make a decision too soon. If it takes three to five years for the brain to heal from post-traumatic stress, complex post-traumatic stress, um, anxiety, if it takes that long, then I'm here to tell you, you need to take your time. That's what we believe in abstract. There is no right or wrong, but you are now in the driver's seat. Oh, I know it doesn't feel like you are because you're not getting what you always wanted, right? But the truth of the matter is that you get to decide to the best of your ability what you need and want. And when you do that, you are keeping yourself safe. And we know that that is so important. We know that you need that to proceed. And if you're not ready to proceed, hey, guess what? Then it's not time. And if it's not time, then guess what? Take the time you need. And when you do that, you are much more likely to make the right decision. And we want to support you in that. You deserve that. And that's what we're sure for. Now, we'll talk to you about how to keep yourself safe and stable. And we'll talk to you about how to grieve and be angry and work through that. What I do know is that this is the worst thing probably that has ever happened to you. And when that occurs, then what you need is some time to figure out what works best for you, right? And when that happens, wow, 
That is so, so important. Why I believe that it is really essential for you to have a coach or a therapist who gets partner betrayal. And when that when you get a coach or a, a therapist who gets it, then what I know is that you really work together as a team, understand how to proceed next. And we take it in small chunks. We don't expect you to know what is going on. We kind of walk you through what we believe is going to help you to understand, right? And that is so important because you don't know what, what you understand. You don't know what to believe. You don't know how you feel. Okay, serious. It is so, so, so important to really figure out what you need next. And that's why we developed APSAP to be a specialized treatment center or an institute to teach partners in a way that helps you through our clinicians and coaches. And so, you know, we're not an we're not really a center, we're an institute. We we get together and offer trainings three to four times a year to help professionals learn about partner betrayal. And then they pass on those skills to you. They help you to figure out what do I need to be safe? What do I need to read? What do I need to recognize my strengths? What is it I need? Okay. I love the fact that you are working so hard to get through this, and you don't have to do it alone. Now, today I am super excited because, wow, we've got somebody who's going to talk to you about complex trauma and betrayal trauma and help you to understand how they intersect how it plays out, what is happening to you, right? It's important to understand what's happening to your body, what's happening to your mind, and what is happening to your soul. And so that's why we're here. And I love that you are with us. You know, because what I know is that, wow, what you've been through is like being run over by a Mack truck. You know, so many, so many of my clients say that exactly. They go, oh, my gosh, it's like he ran over me with a Mack truck, and then he kept running over me over and over and over again. And that really is how it feels, especially if you are drilling or drilling or begging or pleading for answers 
to things, and then you get them, and you're hit again with that sinking feeling of, oh, my gosh, how many of these um, staggered disclosures can I take? And that, of course, is what we want to decrease. And so that's why we, we beg you not to keep asking questions. We ask you to ask for a disclosure. Because when you do, what happens? When you do that, let me promise you that you'll get the truth all in one place with a trained professional who is working hard to make sure that you get the truth, the facts, all that it has to offer. Now, it's hard to hear the truth. We, we know that. But we also know that when you get the truth, it helps you to make an informed decision. And while you're feeling all this stress and press and trauma, it's hard to make decisions. We get your pain. We really do. Apps get your pain. That's why they train clinicians and coaches to help you. And if you want to find a coach or a clinician in your area or with a specialty that you need, divorce coaching, gaslighting coaching, post-traumatic growth coaching, older women coaching, um, go to appsats.org, and that's A-P-S-A-T-S dot org. Get on the website and look for search a professional and find somebody that works for you. Maybe they're right there in your city and you can sit with them face-to-face. Or maybe it's somebody you've heard of on this show and you want to work with them. So I am today so excited to be talking with Amanda Elliott Asproni, who is a professional life coach and a registered mental health counselor intern, and she really wants to help you understand betrayal trauma. So, Amanda, welcome to Betrayal Recovery Radio. How are you? I'm good this morning. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Me too, because everybody wants to know about betrayal trauma, and they want to know the difference between um, post-traumatic stress or complex trauma or um, anxiety disorders. I mean, they just want to know what's going on within them. And so you're going to be talking about that today. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your journey and how you got involved in this this very important work. <laughs> that's funny. I always ask myself how much disclosure I'm going to do in a situation with clients and how much I'm not. And so before this podcast, I thought, oh, should I self-disclose or not? And then, yeah, you just made that decision for me. So thank you. Um, uh-huh. I got into <laughs> I got into this field through my own experiences with betrayal trauma, um, uh-huh. which is also how I became educated with the difference between complex trauma and betrayal trauma when I was first 
um, you know, a client in this situation, I was put in several different groups with other women with betrayal trauma, and I quickly noticed the difference between how they were responding to the situation compared to how I was. And I went back to my counselor, who is Rick Reynolds, and I said, I don't get why these women are handling this situation so much better than me and healing faster than me. And he said, because you have complex trauma, the betrayal trauma blew the top off of everything else that you had been suppressing down to survive all these years. So that's how I got into the field, which then eventually um, I opted out of a corporate career and went to get my master's and have been practicing for the last two years. Wow, that is such a journey because that takes a lot of education and a lot of patience and a lot of determination. So we are so Mm -hmm. happy to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit about complex trauma. What is that? So complex trauma is basically when you have a series of situations that you have tried to survive in your life that you have had a trauma response to but you haven't ever had any treatment for it. Pretty much goes kind of under the radar. You do your best to function properly, and then you have what they call like a significant final event, which in cases where, you know, we are working with betrayal trauma can be the betrayal trauma. So it takes everything else. Maybe there's childhood sexual abuse. There could be um, neglect and abandonment growing up. There could be physical assault, bullying, um, any different series of types of traumatic events. But the betrayal trauma is that last event that then takes everything and puts it in a pot and mixes it together and explodes. So it's a series of traumatic events linked together. Okay, and so obviously partner betrayal trauma complex or no. Can you tease them away? Okay, so tell us the difference. Okay, so you can have a client who comes in with just betrayal trauma. They can say that this is basically the only traumatic event that they have experienced in their life. But the interesting thing about trauma is it doesn't mean that they maybe didn't have challenging situations they've gone through prior in their life, but if they had the correct support, depending on their personal resilience, they may not have stored it as trauma. So the betrayal trauma can be the main thing that's happened to them up until that moment that really is causing them PTSD-like symptoms, but, you know, much minor, much more minor than someone that has complex trauma, which is the series of events. So betrayal trauma alone, in my experience at least, is easier to treat because you're treating that singular event. You're not then having to encompass an entire trauma history, and it's kind of like whack-a-mole then. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, what I hear you saying is that complex trauma comes from a series of events that may have even started as early as childhood and worked Mm -hmm. their way up. I was thinking about a woman who shared with me that she had terrible, terrible, terrible betrayal from her husband. He acted out in lots lots and lots of different ways. And then as we went through her history, she had been date raped as an adolescent. Mm-hmm. She watched mm-hmm. her own parents 
abuse each other physically. Um, mm-hmm. She had been molested as a child, and she had complex post-traumatic stress and complex trauma. Mm-hmm. So how do you work with somebody to try to determine what traumas they've had in their life? I think the first thing I look for is how are they responding to what we would consider like the typical or normal treatment plan for betrayal trauma. And I start ruling things out like, um, is their unfaithful spouse doing their work? Are they working to become safe? Okay. Check. Um, are they attending weekly therapy sessions? Are they okay with starting group? Are they trying to work on self-care? Have they tried psychotropic medication, you know, to manage the compulsive rumination, the anxiety, the depression, and the fear that comes in just with normal betrayal trauma? If I see that they are still really struggling, um, then that right away is usually an indication that I need to go and dig to see if they have other traumatic experiences, which I don't know for you, but the interesting part about this is usually they don't say, oh, I've had all these traumatic experiences. (laughs) I didn't know. Oh, that's trauma. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, You don't even know. Mm -hmm. And so I start to ask them and then the way that a lot of, clients coped is they minimize it subconsciously so then you can kind of have these funny conversations where you're arguing with them no that was traumatic and this is how you responded to it oh because people think of trauma always with a capital t right you know um of the combat that came back from war you know watching your best friend have a car accident and die in front of you like really big traumas but you know there's these and even with sexual abuse right oh well I wasn't raped I was just xyz well no your body and your mind still store that as trauma so going back and trying to tease out if they're really struggling and um can't I can't get them soothed I can't get them to a place where they can start having larger stretches of time where there's peace, they can manage their triggers, they can identify what is unsafe versus safe, and they vacillate between this state of like psychic numbing and alexithymia. So they can't feel their feelings, they can't identify their feelings, they can't feel their body, they're dissociated, or they go into extreme emotional reactivity where even unconditioned stimuli something someone innocuous is going to trigger them and they go ballistic on their unfaithful spouse so if I see that then I pretty much know that I'm dealing with complex trauma and usually the first 30 to 90 days is you know pretty intense just for regular material trauma so you kind of put it on a timeline and start watching Well, that makes a lot of sense. And so you really get some experience with this, and then you can almost predict, although Mm -hmm. everybody is different, uh, the timeline that will actually work for them in getting healthier. And Mm -hmm. I would suspect that when you're working with a woman who is a partner, getting a good, thorough history from childhood Mm -hmm. on up, would help mm-hmm. you to determine what she may forget to even tell you about in terms of traumas. Yes. Yes. And that works um, usually unless you have situations like I recently had one of my, one of my groups 
running. And in the middle of the group, a woman that I've been working with for over a year, she just starts talking about an incident when she was a teenage girl where something inappropriate happened with her much older brother-in-law. Now, I had done an intake with her. She had worked very hard. She was very diligent. She did not exclude this information when I asked her. It was removed from, you know, her conscious mind. And it's not that she didn't know that it happened, but she just didn't think of putting it on there. Again, it's these subconscious, like, defense mechanisms. So when she brought it up, she said, I don't even know why I'm talking about this. I don't even know why I haven't told you about this. But it was, like, her first defining event that then, you know, led down the road to lots of other things. And so that's the part that for betrayed spouses, it can be helpful because oftentimes they don't understand if an unfaithful spouse has a lack of memory recall, and, but it's, it's similar. It can happen. Say a little bit more about that. Explain that to us. So, okay, so with trauma, you can have a high level of dissociation. Um, I've read a lot of Van der Kolk and Peter Levine. You, cortisol and brain opiates can go off in your mind. It can reduce your memory. It can reduce your memory recall, um, damage to your hippocampus over time. So people can actually forget details or they can forget certain instances or not understand the significance to even bring them up because they're kind of like shoved off into a corner of the mind that something tells us, you know, we know it's there, but we don't really go there. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And you're using a lot of big words to describe. Sorry. <laughs> right? Well, no. I, Sorry, yes. Interesting that so oftentimes our partners know so much of this. They've read it. They've heard it because they did want to understand what's happening to their brain. They did want to know why they can't think anymore, why they can't speak. And now you're sharing with them, you may have even lost some parts of your memory. Now, do you believe that Mm -hmm. that memory loss is a result of complex trauma, which I know you said, but does that mean that that memory loss, you know, that then gets filed in the unconscious or the subconscious? What, What do they do with that memory? It's interesting. So what I have read when it comes to the hippocampus damage from cortisol being high over time, the disassociation, in that case, it says that there's irreversible irreversible brain cell death. So you don't know. I mean, is it just obliterated forever? Um, In other cases, when you talk about just having like a subconscious dissociation where emotionally we know that our Selves can protect ourselves from too much content, which I learned when I was going through trauma therapy. I wanted more recall of instances mm. that happened when I was very young. And my, thank goodness my counselor who specialized in trauma said, no, absolutely not. We aren't going to dig for recall because you don't need recall to heal. And that was huge for me to understand. And so working with clients now, whether or not it's a brain cell death memory in the hippocampus and it just doesn't exist anymore, or there's some kind of protective aspect going on where it's not coming up to their conscious memory, they don't need it to heal. We don't need to go digging for it, which for betrayal trauma is also helpful because, you know, sometimes 
you get someone who wants detail after detail after detail. And those clients, I feel like that is a marker for complex trauma. Um, that the clients who don't have complex trauma have an easier time stopping that process and saying it's enough is enough, like too much information, it's just more triggers, it's more compulsive rumination, it's more pain, and it's not going to make me feel better. So with the complex trauma, they seem to do more of that compulsive rumination and um, to be able to say to them, like more recall, you don't need more recall to heal. It's, it's a lie that your mind is telling itself. Well, you know, that's exactly right. And that's one of the reasons I love this show, because you're giving our listeners permission to um, listen to their body and what's going on in their body and let a counselor, uh, a therapist, uh, a coach know you're overloading me. And we want to give our clients choice, and we want them to be part of our team and to tell us what they need. And, and so oftentimes in this process, the partner goes after information with her spouse to try to put the puzzle pieces together, and then she gets the information and she has to dig so hard that um, she's traumatized herself. She may have gotten the truth, mm-hmm. but, wow, it was really, really mm-hmm. hard on her. So I love that you're telling our clients to really pace themselves and to be direct, Mm -hmm. if they can, with their helping professional. And the other thing I really love is that you are saying indirectly that as as a partner gets healthier, they will know. They'll know that something doesn't feel right. And by us talking about this information overload, they may be able to identify that's what it is. That's that's what's mm-hmm. not working for me right now. Now, truly, I got some questions for you. What are the top three needs for someone with complex and betrayal trauma? You know, what would you advise for our listening audience, which truly is partners, and then sometimes professionals, coaches, and clinicians? Mm-hmm. So. The way that my heart breaks for clients who come in with betrayal trauma and complex trauma is remembering myself. It's nonstop. You don't get a break from the moment you wake up in the morning to the moment you go to sleep, and then you have nightmares. So the first thing that they need is to find a way that they can get at least some momentary breaks where they're not dissociated and totally checked out, but they're not locked in to the emotional arousal where they're constantly spinning out and just basically terrified. So finding something, some way to help them self-soothe if they are with their partner and they're trying to work it out, trying to help their unfaithful spouse learn different ways to co-regulate with them, to give them any moments of peace. And I don't care what it is. It's like, do you want to go for a massage? What if you go and get your nails done? What if your spouse, because, you know, the spouse being away causes a lot of attachment, distress, and then with complex trauma, it's even worse. So what if your spouse just sits next to you and you watch Disney movies? Um, You know, anything that they can think of, like going through their whole history to say, tell me who you are, 
I had one woman come in and she was a phenomenal calligrapher and we just mm-hmm. laid out all her, all her calligraphy on my floor and I just had her do in different colors, whatever color she wanted, which of course then became, you know, um, significant later on. Who, are, who were you before this? I mean, she's lovely. She was a lovely, lovely woman. Um, and she would just write things out. I had like a feelings list and, and she would just write all this calligraphy, all these words about her. And that was an hour for her. Now she typically would want to come in and go over all the details, but I was like, no, we're done. You're going to come in and we're just going to basically play and chat. And that's what she did. And she sat and she got an hour of peace. And to me, that was worth so much more to her than us teasing out every single detail of every single thing. In her case, you know, it was um, sex addiction with her partner because, you know, she already had a lifetime of that stuff in her head. And so she just needed a moment of normalcy to forget about it and give her body and her mind a break. No kidding. Amanda, sometimes I will say, you are going to go on a podcast and book um, vacation. You're not going to listen to any more podcasts for a while. You're yes. not going to read another book on either sex addiction or partner betrayal. Yes. Your brain yes. needs rest. Uh-huh. Yes. yes, my Rick would tell me, okay, you have to listen to Richard Rohr, who does, you know, like uplifting spirituality on repeat. And I had three audiobooks by him, and that's all I was allowed to do is listen to Richard Rohr, you know, for all the waking hours for months. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I they love put, like, a, we put a moratorium on recovery work for them. Well, and it's interesting you bring him up because, of course, that is not SA or SAA literature. Um, so it, mm-hmm. it is not advocated in 12-step groups, but so many 12-step groups, after the group, they say, if you want to get a good book that's going to calm you down and teach you peace, mm-hmm. get some of Richard mm-hmm. Rohr stuff. So he's, uh, he's got a phenomenal so relationship. Yeah. He okay, has an so. amazing voice. So audio. I have them do audio with certain authors because it's the voice also that is soothing. Here we go. You know, so oftentimes we're empowering the partner to um, get healthier and to increase their intentional self-care and learn how to manage the triggers and the anxiety and the stress. But truly, because I work with couples, I also want the unfaithful spouse to support the partner and eventually mm-hmm. I want the partner to help to support him. So I'm going to yes. ask you, how can unfaithful support their partner's recovery when they're, especially when there's that dual diagnosis? What, what, mm-hmm. what can he do or what can she do, depending on who's the addict? So I use a lot of ego state therapy, which is similar to transactional analysis. And so to just make that super easy to understand, I try and externalize the aspect of the betrayed spouse that is the complex trauma in the same way that I will try to get the betrayed spouse to externalize the infidelity or the addiction that's present in, in their partner. So it's a separate entity. And so what I try and teach 
the unfaithful spouse or the addict is number one, you need to get educated so that you can develop a proper amount of empathy to understand, oh my gosh, I don't understand why that triggered you. You know, I don't understand why you're not getting better like so-and-so's wife that I know from my group. You know, why, why do you have to just get angry? So they need to start understanding themselves, their own psychoeducation to understand the defense mechanisms and how rage and anger work as, you know, a chemical way to get a hit, to get away from the pain and the fear. And so they need to get educated first. And then second, when it comes to co-regulating, it's like a code word. And if you know that your spouse just went into complex trauma mode where they're out, I teach them the brain stuff. I point to the front of their forehead, like I do my 11-year-old and my 6-year-old, and I say they are out of their prefrontal cortex, I point to the back of their brain, they're ignorant amygdala, you're now dealing with like a 2-year-old, you don't rationalize with a 2-year-old, and you go into mode, like the mode is just to get them regulated, you're not going to argue with them, it is, you externalize it, now you see the complex trauma activated, and your job is to just try and get them back to earth. And that's them showing love. <laughs> mhm, mhm. And and so, what does that look like for partners? What might you say? What might she say? What would it look for the partner if they were the, if they were doing that for the unfaithful or the addict? Mhm. So, what I have noticed is a big struggle for the betrayed is to not perpetually and eternally shame the unfaithful or the addict for all the behaviors that they have done, right, or the the affair itself. So externalizing, like this is a different ego state that went into this behavior for all the different reasons that it could have happened. If the betrayed spouse is trying to heal the marriage, that's what I will point out. You are not in a divorce attorney's office. You are in my office. So no matter who you don't want to admit it to, you're here because you are trying to work towards reconciliation. So we have to separate what he did from who he is. So it's this different entity, and we're going to try to understand it, and then we're going to try to develop cross-empathy. And these are the things that you are going to do to try to work towards healing. Whether or not it's doable, we don't know, but that's what we're going to try to do. So when they get into the story or the details, I try to shift them to do it from that frame so that you can't work towards healing and be partnered with someone that you demonize for the rest of your marriage. So how do you develop cross empathy to see like they didn't just wake up one morning and make these choices? That makes a lot of sense. Obviously you know your stuff and you know um, how complex this gets and you're breaking it down and making it very simple to understand um, would you share with our listening audience what a dual diagnosis is? What would we normally see um, in clients if they had a dual diagnosis? So with a betrayed spouse, for example, um, you can have the dual diagnosis of PTSD with anxiety, with OCD, um, with an unfaithful spouse, I mean, you can have a dual diagnosis of depression with anxiety, and they can also have PTSD. So, you know, where there's one, there's usually two or three. We know that, um, mm-hmm. which just, again, makes, you, makes your treatment planning 
that much more complex. And I feel like that's important. I feel like some clinicians, and I'm still relatively new, some clinicians don't like to disclose the diagnosis, but I feel like it's empowering. You know, sometimes I'll have arguments with, you know, oh, my gosh, is it sex addiction or is it problematic sexual behavior or whatever, you know, diagnostic label we want to throw on it now. And really they're arguing like a shame thing with me. And I'm like, I'm not putting a label on you to shame you. I'm putting a label on you because you don't want to do this anymore. You don't want to do this again. And this helps me treatment plan and know how robust it needs to be to protect you and to help you heal. No, I am absolutely a proponent of that. Um, I don't want to label people per se, but if they have a diagnosis, I want them to know how I've diagnosed them and what that means and how they can get healthy. And to be real honest, sometimes, well, more often than not, I should say, when they understand their diagnosis, it's empowering because they don't yes. feel crazy more. Yeah, they get yes. defined. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I feel like it can be freeing. I agree. In same with narcissism, you know, the new dirty word. I think first it was sex addiction, and right now it's narcissism. And that's something also that I track for. And so explaining to them, there's a great book by Malkin called Rethinking Nar- Narcissism, and it talks about it being on a spectrum. And that there's healthy narcissism. Narcissism as a whole is not a bad thing really successful people have healthy levels of narcissism. And so I explained the spectrum approach to both of them. I mean, when I came in, I was on the spectrum for sure. And Rick used to tease me about it on being on the grandiose side. And it's like, we're just going to track where you are because again, this helps me help you to say, Hey, I had one client recently who is doing so much to try to help his betrayed spouse. She has wicked complex trauma and it's, she's coming into her second year and he yells on session one day, I've been perfect. And I burst out laughing. And I was like, that's hilarious. And I mean, he's done so much work, but I teased him about, because he, you know, had a lot of grandiose, grandiosity with a narcissism. And I said, you've done amazing work, but let's, let's not use the word perfect. And we all laughed. I get that. Absolutely. So, again, I... I'm so glad to hear that they're looking at narcissism on, on a spectrum because it is the new dirty word. And so many people just automatically stamp the addict with narcissism. And to be honest, mm-hmm. um, I don't find that I have many narcissists in my practice. And I work with a lot of sex addicts. I do see that self-absorbed behavior that's part of addiction but if I mm-hmm. do see narcissism, I usually say it's it, it's features. And to hear that now there's yes. a continuum to look at that, they may just be very low on the continuum of narcissism. So I'm mm-hmm. going to take a look at that. I appreciate I appreciate sharing that. Now, yeah, it could. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. What types of therapeutic interventions are best suited? for complex uh, trauma, with betrayal trauma? So first, screening them for attachment um, irregularities. So going through the attachment theory kind of work, um, it's just, it's so hard if they're anxious before and then 
the betrayal trauma blows the top off the complex trauma, and now they're super anxious. But it can be challenging also if they were avoidant um, and they are trying to learn how to deal with feeling for the first time. So doing some attachment theory work and teaching them, okay, this is what an earned secure attachment is. I love how Alexander Kate Hackett talks that about she paid like $180,000 for hers. <laughs> she yeah. said, I didn't come into the world with this. And so I try to like tell them and myself too, like, yeah, okay, attachment, we're going to work on attachment. This is the earned secure attachment. This is the goal so that they can identify where they are throughout the day. Like, oh, I'm going into my attachment distress. Um, ego state therapy or transactional analysis. So identifying, like I have one client who is this larger than life woman. She's so competent. She's beautiful. She's amazing. But she has this warrior woman ego state that developed out of, you know, how she had to survive as a child. And she keeps, you know, throwing that at her unfaithful spouse. And so I've identified that, like, where, how's your warrior woman doing? Because we need to talk to her and then ask her to step aside so that we can get into your softer, you know, heart-centered self that's the one trying to fight to save this marriage. You know, the warrior ego state continuously slice and dicing your spouse is it's counterproductive. We don't need to do that anymore. So ego state therapy, obviously some kind of trauma work. So EMDR, neurofeedback. I do emotional transformation therapy, which is a relatively new one, but similar to EMDR, so some kind of trauma work. And then I'm really a huge proponent of experiential work. So psychodrama, um, visualization, anything kind of bringing in music or art, depending on what the client uh, gravitates towards naturally, but the experiential thing to get you to con or to connect somatically to your body, you know, your emotions to your body, and get the words out of the way because we know with trauma also you lose your um what do they call it i wrote it down because I, oh, okay you have a deficit of verbal articulation and experiential is awesome for that because it's just not so talk therapy -y. well i agree with you 100 percent. as a matter of fact i'm creating a, a couple certification and i go into how important it is to do experiential to release and relieve mm -hmm. so much of the trauma that's stored inside the body. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. am telling you, you have been amazing, and we need to wrap up the show. I so appreciate all of your wisdom, and we have got to have you back on because you have triggered in me the desire for our are betrayed and betrayers alike to understand themselves better and to bring this stuff up with their practitioners. So you and I both know this takes three to five years typically to heal, and, uh, and yes. we've got to start the conversation now. So Amanda, Elliot, Esproni, it, it was so good to speak with you today. And how can people get a hold of you if they need more information? My website is uh, healingaffairscounseling.com, and my email address is amanda at healingaffairscounseling.com. So contact form on the website or just straight email works for me. I'm simple. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, and you make it a Thank great, you. great day. You too. Thank you. It was great talking to you, Carol. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.
All right, so we are going to have her back on so we can find out more about complex post-traumatic stress and trauma and help you to heal. You're listening to Betrayal Recovery Radio. I am Carol Jorgensen-Sheets, and we are APSATS, the organization to help you with betrayal trauma. Talk to you soon. <laughs> 